96 down the line. Oh my God, we're back. 3D6 down the line, back in action again. Good to see everybody. Uh, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen everybody, so uh, we're really happy to be back. We got a brand new fancy game going on. Uh, let me just switch over to that bad boy. That's where we're going to be playing Halls of Art and Vool. Uh, so we just wanted to take this moment real quick. Um, Actually, first things first. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. Uh, we should introduce ourselves. My name's John. I'm going to be the referee for the game. And then going around the horn are my players. I'm Mike. Hey, I'm David. I'm Matt. I'm very glad that I've never teased anybody about low rolls ever. <laughs> That's where karma's going to get you, man. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm clean. I'm clean, baby. Oh, across the board, con five. I hope. I can only pray. And last but not least... <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Ted, and I uh, oh, uh, for oh, for, nice. for our audio listeners, he ripped up his con five. How confident he is! Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to change that for a strength five. I think so. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping yeah. like intelligence three. Yeah. Yeah. Next. We're yeah. now the con four. <laughs> all right, so uh, we just want to get things started by saying uh, thank you to all of our longtime listeners who have uh, plowed through yeah. so many countless hours of Dolmenwood material um, and staying with us for so long. Uh, we really enjoy playing that game, but you know, as things tend to happen, as the, as I always say, the bane of all campaigns is real life. And so we had, a, we had to put the kibosh on that one, but we had a great time and we are very, all of us are very much looking forward to the main release of that setting coming from Necrotic Gnome. Mm -hmm. um, but on to new things. So for those of us who are just joining us, uh, the, this channel 3d6 down the line is focused on, um, old school play of, uh, classic Dungeons and Dragons. We usually up until this point and including this game are use the old school essentials, uh, restatement of the classic basic and expert editions of Dungeons and Dragons from 1980, um, which I personally consider to be like the the culmination, like the, the best expression that D&D ever had of its core elements. Um, and so Old School Essentials is a, a modern restatement of that. And we'll have links to for you to be able to purchase that or pre-order it um, down in the description below. So uh, with that in mind, we also um, focus on being not like non-performative. Like we're not here to sort of give you a show or anything. We're here to basically turn a camera on to what our normal actual games are like. Uh, week to week for many, many, many years now. Many of us have actually been playing for around 20 years together. So we hope that kind of comes across on screen. And uh, we just want to show that this is how millions of people actually play D&D. The, the vast majority of these actual plays that you actually see on YouTube um, are, we don't feel are actually reflective of how um, the vast majority of people actually play this game. And we just kind of wanted to show you that this is actually how it's generally played. Um, so or, or one way to play it, and, and at least a, a very, very fun way. So we want to switch gears a little bit with what we're doing. So instead of a hex crawl, which is what Dolmenwood was, we're going to be doing a mega dungeon, which is the Halls of Arden Vool. Yeah. Uh, so this is another classic form of play. Um, it has been recently revived uh, in the, recently, I mean like in the past 15 years or so. <laughs> um, uh, a style of play where you have not only uh, a single dungeon, which is uh, like a smaller dungeon than placed within a wilderness that you can go to and then retreat back to town. But this is the, the campaign entirely focuses on a, um, a mega dungeon. It's all centered around that. Yeah, Mike. 
I have a, I have a, 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 a I got to get something off my chest. Hmm. In Arden oh. Vool, I read page 447 and page 634. Did I just ruin the campaign? <laughs> I hope not. I don't know what's on those pages. <laughs> <laughs> but it is rather which, dense. Which, uh, yeah, which volume are you talking? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. I was in a haze. There was alcohol involved. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'll give you a glance at that. The books are actually sitting right by me here. I'll pick, pick them up in a second. But... Um, we learned. What Mike is saying is that he instigated the carousing rules too soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We've we learned a lot during our play. We yeah, played a yeah. number of different uh, OSC. We played uh, the Hole in the Oak, which is a Gavin Norman adventure, to kind of get us um, familiar with the rules. And then uh, we launched Raid. We, we did that off camera. We did it on our own. And then we kind of launched Dolmenwood. And uh, we learned a lot about OSC and a lot about, uh, about old school play. And about what um, is appealing to you guys out there as well. So um, you'll probably see like an evolution of our play style in Nardenville. And one that uh, is conscious on our parts. But also uh, naturally just because of the environment that they're going to be in is so different than Dolmenwood. Um, it's naturally going to affect, I hope, the way that they play. If they don't change the way that they play, they'll probably end up dead. <laughs> probably end up dead anyway. So. <laughs> end up dead anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're going to see, um, some, uh, we're going to be going over like we did in my session zero for Dolmenwood. You're going to see us going over some of the house rules and you're going to notice that a lot of them have been tweaked on my end. Um, as we've had discussions off camera about things that were working and weren't working and things that we wanted to try out. Um, and of course I'm going to have all of that, uh, fancy stuff linked for you in the description of every video. So it's going to be very easy and, uh, and podcast description as well, um, for you to pick up and take a look at and peruse at your leisure. Um, but uh, you'll see a lot of familiar things, but a lot of things have changed as well. So now on to what everyone's been waiting for are these bad boys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, here they are. So I'm sorry, park <laughs> podcast people. You can't appreciate it, but perhaps you can hear the solidity of what I'm holding up here. Um, four massive volumes, actually technically five. I only got four because the fifth volume equal in size to this is just maps. So I got the four. I don't need the maps because I got them all in PDF and they're gorgeous. Um, so we have these massive tomes, the largest mega dungeon, I believe that's in existence, but not only, um, this isn't like a lot of empty rooms, like under mountain, for instance, this is dense, lots and lots of good stuff. And I'm not going to spoil any of it here, but fair enough to say. Um, it is a, a work of staggering quality, and I'm very much looking forward to dragging these guys through it. Um, so it's written by Richard Barton, um, who is a professor of medieval studies down in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, and I think his focus is in like French medieval, uh, technically. So he knows the stuff about uh, the medieval period. Um, and he started, he had the idea for this back in 2009 after reading a lot about the, reading a lot of the OSR blogs and that kind of good stuff. And then he uh, talk, was talking to some people and they convinced him to actually submit it for publication. And a small press uh, called Expeditious Retreat Press picked it up in 2013. They um, signed a deal and then he spent the rest of that time writing it. Um, and uh, he, and it was released in 2020. So it's, it was like a long time. So about 11 year period of actual uh, creating the thing. So, and it shows. So, um, it's, 
it's extremely dense and it's also done in the old school way where it doesn't have that really lovely layout that Gavin, Gavin Norman has in all of his products. We've been spoiled, or at least I've been spoiled in Dolman Wood because both the system, old school essentials, and the the um, adventure material in Dolman Wood is all clearly laid out in this beautiful, easy to reference um, format. So I was it was very easy for me to reference things on the fly. Um, so this is a little bit different. It's going to take a lot of kind of absorption, a lot of prep on my part as well. Um, and the dungeon itself is designed in a manner that the players could go anywhere at a moment's notice, somewhere where I am not ready for them to go. And so you might very well see on camera that there may be a number of times where it'll be like, I'm going to have to take a couple minutes to actually read what's going on here. And if it's taking too long, of course, I'll make like a judicious edit. Um, but I just want to prepare people for the fact that there will be times when you're going to see me actually fumbling around trying to figure things out and that's just the way it the way it goes it's a totally natural thing yeah exactly that's just a natural thing so um uh it's it's not a huge deal so the the module itself was actually written for osric which is the um is the restatement of advanced dungeons and dragons first edition so if it's an analogy bx is to osc as as ad and d first edition is to osric so it's basically a first edition module. That's the way to put it. So it's very easy to convert, but it does require some, require some conversion as well. So just so people are aware who are interested in the product, get it. I'll have links down in the description below. It's awesome. But um, uh, we are using old school essentials in order to approach this material. So um, if any sort of rulings that I make, uh, you just be aware that that is not necessarily reflected in the actual material in the book. So I'm adapting it. That's what you're watching. So, um, all right. And sometimes you're adapting it on the fly. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And we'll see how it goes. Right. And we, as I've been telling people online, we will play until we don't. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how far we go. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward because it's very open ended. There is no uh, through line, no plot line to drag them along. It's literally like, here's a situation. Go. And I just, I don't, I have no idea what these guys are going to do. And so I'm looking forward to kind of reacting to um, how they decide to go about um the steady march towards their own doom would be great <laughs> okay like all life <laughs> all right so before we get down into the nitty-gritty of actually creating characters for this uh this meat grinder um just i want to give a very general brief campaign overview of uh what we're talking about here so uh, where Dolman Wood, uh, I'm going to be using Dolman Wood as a comparison point for a lot of things here. Where Dolman Wood was very much about like whimsical, dark fairy, um, British folklore sort of thing. Arden Vool is not that at all. It's going to be, it's going to come across much more like uh, pro, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Archetypal D and D, um, and that'll be reflected in the in the class choices that these guys have in a moment. But uh, so it's a little bit more high fantasy. Um, it's nowhere near as focused on on Britain at all, really. Um, it the the big the the strongest analog we have here is basically it's like uh, there is an overreaching empire, and that empire has a strong analog to Rome, to Roman to the Roman Empire at its height. But it's as if the Roman Empire had contracted um, due to threats outside, and then had actually kind of has a minor rebirth in the form of the Byzantine Empire. So like the focus of the Roman Empire after it fell, obviously, then the, the culture and traditions basically kind of shifted eastwards to 
the Byzantine Empire, right? But the Byzantine, Byzantine Empire was sort of doing its own thing while the rest of North, Northern and Western Europe was sort of going into the Dark Ages, right? But this is as if the Byzantine Empire's culture was still very, very much dominant across all of the old realms of Rome, right? So uh, uh, there are cultures that have been left to sort of develop, but still that influence is felt very, very strongly, especially when the empire itself starts to regrow and start to reclaim some of the territories that it had, that had been forced to abandon. Now, unlike the Roman Empire, which uh, fell because of obviously internal um, strife and economics and also the barbarian incursions and all that sort of stuff, the, the empire here in this game um, was forced to give up a lot of its colonies and expansions because of a civil war, an actual war um, within the empire. And after that has been resolved, slowly it's been able to kind of expand again. So this campaign, Ardenbull, is actually going to take place in a recently recolonized um, what's called an exarchate which is basically like a colony, right? Um, which is to the west of the empire's main island. So the empire's home base is on like an island in the middle of this vast ocean. And to the west is this huge continent, which they had once uh, were dominant upon. They retracted back to their home island and now they're kind of reestablishing power back on this island once again. And they do that by claiming one of these, uh, some of these areas as exarchates. And so in antiquity, Ardenvul was the northern limit of the empire on this continent, but and it was an important administrative and military and co and scholarly city as well. Um, it stood atop these cliffs, this city that was built there. But then it was abandoned during the Civil War about 1,200 years ago. Um, but the native peoples of the land never actually fully reclaimed the land around there, so it was sort of left to sort of uh, go into ruin. Um, so. With the return of the empire back to this land, the rule of the valley that Ardenvul basically looks over atop that cliff has been assigned to lesser members of the actual of the emperor's house itself. Okay, and this valley is known as Burdock's Valley, and you're going to become very familiar with it. Um, but it's still very much a frontier, right? So it's not fully civilized. It's like they're kind of these little towns are sort of starting to spring up. Um, and uh, start to develop a little bit more as they're trying to accommodate this uh, re-incursion of the empire. Um, and so the town that your guys are going to start in is called Gosterwick, and Gosterwick is a new town that has actually sprung up right near the ruins of Ardenbull itself at the base of the cliffs, um, and it has been deliberately set up um, to, uh, to develop services for adventuring uh, because there is the anticipation that more and more expeditions will be going up to Ardenvul in order to claim the lost riches that were there. So it's got all your all your necessities for um, for uh, rest and recuperation and resupply and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, and that's that's a very very basic overview of what's going on. So you're gonna be starting in this small new town, frontier town called Gosterwick. Um, it is technically ruled over by a lesser member of the emperor's house. And it is at the base of the cliff. It's miles away, but at the base of the cliff upon which the ruined city of Ardenbull sits atop. All right. Okay. So. So this would be like this would be like if like you're sitting there chilling in 1400 London, and all of a sudden like a bunch of ships sail up the up the river, and it's the Romans. <laughs> but the, but the Romans again, right? Again, right? Again, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're back. Yeah. Thanks. But that's what's kind of cool. Like, uh, like we, we know, like um, in the Dark Ages, like the Roman ruins, like were scattered all over Britain, 
right? And they they used them and they quarried mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, you know. But the and the roads were all there, so like the presence of Rome, even after the Romans themselves had left, was still felt for many many centuries after that. And um, but here. It's as if like they've been surrounded by all that stuff, but all of a sudden here they come again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like they showed up, uh, but this time they. But they're. It's it's obviously that it's them, but it's but they've changed, right? It's been it's yeah. been twelve hundred years, right? It's been yeah. a long time. So the technology and the culture has developed to a point where we can call it, we would call it like Byzantine, you know. So this time they're bringing the lead and water with them, right? That, friends, is the delicious sound of a Guinness popping. I don't know what I was thinking about. I just got to say, before we make characters and we do this awful process that we're about to undergo, I need to go get a whiskey. You need to, you need to what? I need, I need to go get a big glass of whiskey before we do it. So just okay. give me a warning. Maybe okay. after, after you tell everybody what we're about to attempt. Yeah, should I should I prep people? Should I announce how great character yeah. generation is about to be before Mike goes gets his whiskey. Well, folks, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit of a story about way back in the <laughs> early Dolmenwood days when uh, uh, one of the early episodes, one commenter called us out with our hypocrisy and noted that despite the name of our channel being 3D6 down the line, we actually rolled our characters using 4D6 drop lowest. The shame. <laughs> The eternal shame upon us. <laughs> Ted still had a con. Yes. I, I taped it back together. Yeah. John. Ted still had a con five. Yeah, uh, but uh, I thought at the time that maybe three D six down the line was a bridge too far for these young whippersnappers and their modern ways. <laughs> but I was wrong. In fact, I wasn't even the one that suggested three D six down the line for character generation for this new campaign. It was none other than Mike. Mike people is the one that's <laughs> Oh, you're right. It was me. What was I thinking? I know. <laughs> Max Grognard right there. Uh, he made my day that day. And uh, we, we all accepted. So we are staying true to the actual channel name. We are going to be rolling 3D6 down the line. That is strength, intelligence, wisdom, dex, con, charisma. Um, using the slight ability to modify those to, uh, that are actually the rules as written in the um, Old School Essentials Advanced Fantasy Players Tome. Um, and we will follow along with that in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break so Mike can get yeah, a whiskey. Wait, before we do that, wait, I'm sorry, one, one sec. Before we do that, I was just wondering if it would be okay if I imported my first character from uh, Basic from 1982, Braun the Fighter. <laughs> no. These stats are all legitimately rolled. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> podcast listeners we're looking at uh down the line we're looking at 18 14 15 17 18 16 yeah these are all legit. <laughs> totally legit. All legit. well i'm the fighter somehow i got 11 hit points um and i would just really like to revisit my youth by playing him is that cool uh you can take the name and the class but we can redo those stats <laughs> he tosses it behind him. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back. We're just going to take a quick break. Whiskey. All right, everybody, we're ready to go with character generation 3D6 down the line. We're going to go around the horn here. Mike, David, Matt, then Ted. So, Mike, you're going to roll twice and pick which one you like the most. So go ahead and enter that into the chat there. Mike. Stretching the muscles. Mike. Here we go. He's not looking. Oh. <laughs> All right, that looks like a D and D character to me. <laughs> that looks like a pretty standard issue right. Right. Uh, uh, henchman. Let people know what that what that is down the line. 
10, 9, 12, 13, 10, 8. There you go. All right. Well, are we really supposed yeah. to be playing something different than ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should should I roll my second set, yes, yes, John? Yes, you should, yep. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so wow. what'd you get? I got an eight, a nine, a four, an eleven, a four thirteen, cards. and a ten. First okay. character, baby. All right, right so that four does... wisdom. That's a four wisdom. You, you, uh, you know, you kind of need a four wisdom oh. to just mark. So for those following, weird. so for those following along, uh, you cannot trash a character unless all six results are eight or lower. Um, and uh, let's see. What, it, what was it? Uh, what did I write? If uh, yeah, I th yeah, it, I think it was like if anything. Does that four count as a reroll? I'm just what I'm wondering here. It says if desired, uh, adjust scores according to steps one and three of character generation on page sixteen. Or or extremely low rating in one ability. I mean, come on, dude. A four is a pretty extremely low ability. I'm gonna say the ruling right now. Like if, if anyone rolls like a, a three, like actually rolls a one one one, then they can re-roll the entire set. But well, these I but rolled the, a one one two, bro. Come on, a one know, one two. No, this is that's a that's a legit character right there. You have a thirteen. So um, he's never he's never gonna get played. If I have to play that guy, I'm seriously just going to run down the hall with no armor on until I, like, set off a trap. Mike, uh, Mike take another God. sip of the whiskey. Stop. He's so Stop mad. Me. Look at me. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, experience. I want to make some one comment before we get to All right, all right, all right. I, I may be superstitious, but it is in my experience in old school play that the worst role of character you make in a block of characters survives the longest. So that... Uh, four wisdom character is going to be the only one that survives on our party for this David, campaign. I guarantee. Yeah. David, when I was playing old school D and D, you were still playing with like I don't even know Smurfs. I don't even know like like. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't alive, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> not personal, Mike. Come on, it's just I mean, a four. I'm still yeah. swimming through the ether of of of. of it's know, not that bad, frankly. Like fine. the first the first set is fine. The first set right. is fine. I will be just yeah. fine. Okay. I am going to be just so you guys know I'm going to play a cleric. Called. Dibs. All right. Uh, okay. So um, uh, I also forgot to give credit where credit's due. Matt is the one who actually suggested that we should, we should roll 3d6 down the line, especially since it is the name of the channel. Um, but, what, what, punishment, baby. What, but what stunned me was that Mike actually agreed to it. But as you can see now. <laughs> that was, that was oh, it. what happened. Yeah, I, I was yeah. blackout drunk. Yes. I must yeah. not have. I thought I did it. <laughs> also also a point of uh, point of order. Matt is by far the person who has the least amount of experience with oh, with. Sir. With old school D and D, and yet he was what still bravery. the person. What <laughs> bravery! Yeah, exactly. So major drops. <laughs> so, anyways, okay, moving on to David. All right, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. All right, first one. Here we go. Here we go. Oh my God! Ooh. Oh, it's a little tasty. Ooh. All right, give, give us the rundown. Oh give the... Hold on. How? I've got. Okay, sorry. Um, fifteen, uh, ten, seven, twelve, twelve, and thirteen. Very nice. 
Screw you, dude. How are you, feel, how are you feeling right now? That's pretty good. Is it, <laughs> so that's that's a, is, do you feel any numbness on a, your extremities? It's a tasty 15, yeah. 15 strength, yeah. Can you smell toast, Mike? <laughs> was he gonna have a stroke <laughs> and this right now okay next one coming down the line all right oh, 19. 18. Nice. that's an 18 hit, baby all right so that is 11 strength 18 intelligence 13 wisdom eight decks uh, seven con and sixteen charisma. So well, it's like an illusionist to me, baby. Oh, that's a, that's yeah. a good-looking magic user right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's hot. <laughs> All right, that's tasty. All right, cool. So David's got some choices to make because both of his are super tasty. All right, yeah. Matt. Let's see if your gamble has paid off with your ill-advised uh, <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. I'm sure this is. I'm sure this is going to work out. I'm sure I mean, all eighteens would be hilarious at this point. Mike would actually explode. I would. <laughs> you just see Mike has left the chat, and that would be it. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, big money, no whammies. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. It's actually like, like extreme, sort of like highs and lows. Yeah. Uh, so uh, twelve strength, uh, seven int. 13 wisdom, uh, an 8 dex, mm -hmm. an 8 con, and a 14 charisma. Yeah, very nice. Okay. Very well-rounded character. Cool. Next. Excuse this, me. Been, okay, here comes, here comes a good one. Here comes a good one. All right, one. I feel it. Right. No whammies, no whammies. Ooh, that is God! nice. That is nice. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. Give us uh, the rundown. <laughs> uh, 13 strength, mm -hmm. 8 int, uh, 15 wisdom, uh, 10 for dex, uh, 9 for con, and uh, 14 charisma again. Very nice. Charismatic yeah. dudes. Yep. Matt, I cede I my claim on cleric, by the way. Yeah, those are both good clerics, both of them. Yeah. 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 Well, Actually. once again, though, uh, wisdom means dick all for clerics actually <laughs> um, so it, it, it's okay. it you really don't need to have high wisdom at all to be a good cleric like except at all prime requisite. except for your prime requisite yeah it's an experience it, bonus yeah. oh well well we're gonna be getting into that because i'm gonna we're probably gonna be nixing that by the way what yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I think you're too easy. They think La too easy. lastly is ted here we okay. go okay. Ted, let's see those con rolls, baby. Big oh, money, man. no whammies. Big money, no whammies. Do it, whammies. Ted. Do it, Ted. Nice. That's a 13 strength, 13 intelligence, 8 wisdom, 12 dexterity, 11 con, and a 12 charisma. Right. That's a six point improvement over your last character's yeah, crack. That's, that's a good con. <laughs> I'd be proud to jump into a pit trap with. Yep. It's a good one. All right. So let's let's uh, let's get another one on deck here. Second roll. Oh, less That's, less exciting, but still still playable. Still not bad. Yeah, still playable. Yeah. Um, ten strength, seven intelligence. Definitely the wizard. Twelve uh, wisdom, eleven dex, ten con, and a thirteen charisma. Right. Okay. So those are our and sets I can there. Repair this in half. That's great. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There's you're good. You're safe. Five. 
You so, can frame that on the wall. Come on. Yeah, yeah so, you, you, so Ted, for everyone out there, is uh, either has a con 10 or a con 11. So he's safe. He's safe this time well around. Done. So uh, here's the deal with adjusting them. So on page 16 there, you can see in step three um, that you can raise only your prime requisite by lowering non-prime requisite scores. Um, and you can only lower, in addition, strength, intelligence, and wisdom. So the very first three scores you can lower. So you can... Um, you have to lower strength, intelligence, wisdom by two to raise only your prime requisite or prime requisites by one, right? Now, before you decide what you guys are going to do, how you're going to adjust your ability scores and what that ability score array um, means for your choice as far as class goes, um, I, I'm going to let you know that I have decided that I'm not going to be giving XP bonuses for prime requisites just because I do feel that it is sort of you know, it's it's just sort of, it's the luck of the dice that kind of gives you that bonus. So it's like, it's not really earned in any sort of way. And I also do feel that it um, tends to, um, because you want the XP bonus, it tends to make you put um, your high your your high scores in those specific abilities when you really don't need to. The Cleric being the exact example of that, that you can play a, a I don't even think the Cleric has a minimum wisdom that they have to meet. If I, if I think I'm not. It might be nine. I can I, check. But... Uh, it's just that it, you know it might it might encourage you to sort of explore different ability arrays than you normally would for the archetypal class. Um, if you if you're not being um, if if the extra XP is not dangling in front of you to put a, a high score in your prime requisite. So, um, so yeah, everyone's just going to be getting the XP that they get. Period. So that that'll be that. Right. So, um. So no prime requisite scores. Now, this is the array for um, classes that you are allowed to choose from. Okay, so in alphabetical order, where you can choose in the, a lot of these are, so for those out there, these a lot of, most of these are going to be from the Advanced Fantasy Players Tome, which incorporates a lot of the AD&D classes into basic D&D. Um, as well, there is, let's see, one, two, two classes that are from alternate sources from the from carcass crawler zines which is the official osc zine um uh which i also thought were very well designed and also fit with the uh, setting so in alphabetical order here we have the acrobat the assassin barbarian cleric druid dwarf elf fighter goblin half elf halfling illusionist knight mage magic user Mage is different than a magic user. Paladin, Ranger, and Thief. That's what you can choose from. Okay. Um, if you are going to be choosing a goblin, you're basically going to be using it as described in Car Carcass Crawler issue number one, except where um, that uh, write-up has uh, a wolf affinity ability that doesn't really fit with the kind of Imperial goblins that you would be playing in this campaign. So it's going to be replaced the wolf affinity will be replaced with the listening at doors ability that uh, dwarves have. So you would just lift it straight off the dwarf thing if you wanted to play that. So unlike Dolmenwood, where I was very restrictive and everyone got mad because anyone, only, everyone could only play humans. Um, this one, I'm opening it up a little bit further uh, to cl the classic mold. So um, uh, first of all, uh, you're only going to be developing tonight uh, your primary character. So don't worry about what your secondary one will be. We do that off screen. Okay. Um, so just focus on whatever array that you're going to use for your primary character, the character that we will see next time we play. All right. 
Uh, How do you want to roll this then, John? We start with, with Mike and work our way around the horn. At, well, like, actually, yeah. can we, let's just have a little group consensus here, right? So we yeah. don't end up with a party of all, like, you know, mm -hmm. Muppets. Um, Definitely. All acrobats. <laughs> I would like to play a thief. See, I was gonna, I was gonna say that to you, or I was gonna go for assassin. But David, you are. If anyone in this group is made for like a thief, it's you. As as a personality. <laughs> no, I mean I'm a just sociopath just, or what? What are we talking no, about? <laughs> but no, I was just thinking is like as far as you approach problems and stuff like mm. that, you have that dungeoneering thing down uh, pretty well. And we definitely don't need both a thief and an assassin. So if we cede that to you, then I would be interested in doing either a cleric, which I know, Matt, you have better stuff, but like you said, wisdom doesn't count. Or or a fighter. I think I could, I mean, I'm not going to be an amazing fighter, but I would, um, um, but I could do that, right? I think I would rather, I would rather do a cleric if anyone else doesn't care, you know? I don't intend to play a cleric, Mike, so... Uh, yeah, the the only like one of my things is like last time I played uh, you know a a, a fighter uh, yeah. kind of character for the knight. Um, so this time playing something with spellcasting would be fun. Uh, it doesn't have to be a cleric, although cleric has the wisdom. I, again, it doesn't really super matter. Your intelligence right though. Uh, mine or my characters? Yeah, my intelligence isn't great. <laughs> uh, I've got a seven and an eight are my two guys. Uh, I'm gonna just you know, go with the first one I rolled. Why not? Yeah, so in, um, uh, of all the classes, I believe like arcane casters, like the illusionist and the um, and the magic user, uh, intelligence does matter for them. Like it's directly reflective of their starting um, and continuing power. Um, the other classes, it's not as huge of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because you have to have a, a learning spells percentage. That's right, because we are going to be using the advanced... Um, the advanced uh, uh, spellbook rules and learning magic. Okay, so then, not to be a nudge, but which of us four have the highest intelligence? I have a 9 or a 9? I have a 10 or an 18. You have an 18? No, 13. Yeah. Oh, we got an 18. I got an 18 on my second character's intelligence. Dude. But I'm not going to use it as my first character. <laughs> Can I have his stats for my first character? <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I just. Uh, well, here's what you do, Mike. You get David to hire his second character as uh, a henchman, oh. and you kill your first character, become his henchman. <laughs> All right. Well, without doing too many acrobatics, Ted, what's your intelligence? Thirteen. I don't know. Um, where is the percentage for learning these spells? I can't find it in the player's handbook. Uh, it is magic. Page one nineteen, maybe sixty-six or sixty. No, uh, one twelve. One twelve. Ted, you had also mentioned at some point that you're interested in maybe mage. I am interested in the mage, and I'm right now debating between a dwarf and a mage. So the mage for people out there um, was actually created by Gavin Norman. It's in Carcass Crawler issue number one. Um, and it is much more a character, a class that's in the Gandalf mode. Um, so yeah. uh, they they have spell casting abilities that are in the mode of um, like a thief's, a thief's skills. So um, as, as written, they basically have a, 
as you can see here on the chart. A percentile chart, um, I have changed those chart, those percentiles to a D, uh, a, 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 um, what do you call it, a chance in D6 uh, amounts, um, which are, I will show, the, the math will be available to everyone down in the description as well if anyone wants to take a look at how I came up with the, the new numbers, but in the meantime, they are, um, they, they, they have a lot, they, um, they need a lot of XP to go up. They need 2,800 to get to second, where Mage use, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, Magic users use 2,500. Um, but they have all these kind of cool yeah. things that they can do basically all the time. Um, detect magic, open and close, magical portals, uh, rally or cause fear, read magic or suggestion. Um, and they have uh, a cool staff as well. Yep. So. Pretty tasty, Ted. So, but, well, I'm sorry, I missed this part. What is their spell casting ability? Do they have a spell casting ability? They do not cast spells. They do have the ability to like magically open doors. They can read magic. They can detect magic just by touching stuff, although it takes a turn. They can make a suggestion to uh, um, su with supernatural potency on up to one HD of persons per one uh, per round per level of the mage, and then uh, their staff can cause damage to um, creatures immune to mundane attacks. They can create light once per day per level, or no, once per day, per, one turn per level with their staff. Um, a la Gandalf with the little crystal, you know. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. that and then they also get a plus two bonus to armor class, which they need because they can't wear armor. But uh, uh, but uh, also, according, they also are able to use um, rules as written, like a, a regular sword and a short sword, which magic users can't. But however, that's sort of superseded by my own house rule, which allows most classes to use most weapons. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but the key yeah, thing, the key thing here is, is that limited skill set is um, those are chances to do. Unlike a magic user, which when they cast a spell, it always happens unless it's disrupted. This, it's like um, Ted could, whoever the player of the mages could never be uh, sure that it would actually go off. Yeah. Right. That's the, but there's also no resource spending, right? Like you can just do it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a very cool class. Yeah, they, they can also heal once per day. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, Matt, um, what are you interested in playing? Um, I'm looking through these things, and the place where like my desire to do some spellcasting and my ability scores seem to kind of intersect with cleric. Because uh, you go ahead and do cleric, then, man. It's cool. Because nothing else seems to like match up. No, that's fine. Um, like I said, like worst case scenario, I can play like a, a pretty mediocre fighter. You know, um, just remember, just remember, Matt, that you like I see you're you're looking at those wisdoms of either thirteen or fifteen, and mm -hmm. that um, uh, a third a fifteen wisdom gives you makes you it has zero effect on your ability to be a cleric, like zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking mostly at like some of the other things that I was uh, that were appealing to me, like th things like acrobat and like acrobat looks really cool, but it needs a high dex, and my dex is not great. Right, right, right. So of the p things that I was most interested in, like all the other spellcasters need better it. Right, we're right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've only got, yeah, I've only got a seven, an eight. Int. Yeah. What's your dex, Matt? Uh, my dex. Uh, uh, is an eight. Uh, you know, see, I see. I got load. I've got uh, uh, you know mediocre mediocre strength. I've got twelves and thirteens in strength. Um, uh, my cons what's your are, intelligence uh, again? Matt? Uh, seven and eight. Not great. Okay. You know, uh, Matt. Uh, 
Knights get hospitality at third level. <laughs> Welcome! <laughs> okay, so really the only person who's good at playing a magic user is David, but he won't do it. Screw you, David. <laughs> Screw for, what it's, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm going to play a thief with the 12 decks. So. Yeah, but that has no impact on the class, so cool. Thanks. Um... Um, you know, Mike, really just just for this, I'm tempted to take that 18 intelligence character and to get a fighter. <laughs> Roy, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's the guy from Order the, Order of the Stick. That's right. That's Listen. Roy. Roy, yeah, yeah. They call me Reginald. He also has a good strength and he has a good con, so not really true. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Um, Don't forget right. too, David, that you could actually lower that 18. Uh, quite a bit in order to pump up something else, uh, a prime requisite, you know. Sure. I mean, I like I said, I, I really uh, have not played a thief in ages, ever, really. So I'm really kind of infatuated with trying a thief. Um, Instead of an, like, an acrobat or an assassin? I'm just putting it out there that those are also, also thief archetypes. I, I do I do really want to just play a good thief. I don't know. It's really... it's it's Cool. Uh, maybe, maybe Ted can attest to it, but it's an itch that has... Or it's a bug that's gotten in my brain, I think, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, I'm not against anyone else playing the Thief as well. Uh, I don't worry about, like, redundant classes. But also, if that's not fun to anyone else, then, you know. I yeah. gotta... Let's not do too much navel-gazing here, guys. Everyone pick a okay. class, please. All right, I... I think everyone has, Mike. It's you that needs to pick out. I was going to say, you're the one. <laughs> Are you doing the mage? I said I was a thief maybe 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I'll do the mage. I'll do a mage. Mage, okay. Right, you're going to do cleric? I'll do a cleric. Cleric, okay. All right. Then I'm going to do, I'll do a dwarf. All right, there we go. That okay. matches your mood right now, I would say. It really does. It's <laughs> really <laughs> All right, so we have... But can we please not have a Scottish dwarf this time? Can we have like oh. a British dwarf? Or... I can't do a Scottish accent to save my life. Polish dwarf or something, maybe. You know? sure. All right. So we uh, just to be clear, I, the lineup I'm seeing for the initial crew is dwarf, thief, cleric, and mage. I just want to make everyone aware that one of the corner the cornerstones of of uh, classic D and D is not filled. Just so you're aware, it's fine. Just be aware that uh, the 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 very utilitarian wiz uh, magic user is not in the party. Yeah. Ah, who needs him? I'm the only one who gives a shit about this, apparently. It's totally so. fine. It's totally fine. I shall grant many insights into the arcane nature of Arden Vool. You have nothing to fear. <laughs> Two out of six times. <laughs> Two out of six times, I shall read magic. <laughs> right. Okay. And I never need to uh, sleep to prepare my spells. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. Moving on to. Hold on a second. Let me get to the thing here. Okay. So, uh, do you want to adjust your ability scores? Is anyone going to do that? Is no. there any point? <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> I can only lower the first three to raise what? The second three? You, you can lower the first three by two, two to get one point in your prime requisite only. What is the minimum strength you need to have, like any kind of combat bonus? Uh, let's see. Leather strength 12. would be thirteen. Oh, 13. What the heck? How low can I lower my intelligence? 
you can go is it, you have to spend two points for every point increase. So six. I could have an intelligence three to get a thirteen strength. Mm. I'm <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Barely Would can talk. Yeah, could you speak if with an intelligence? You thing? can. You can grunt to people. And but the only concern is, is if something does damage to your intelligence and you go below one, you die. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I'll stay at my nine and my ten, respectively. Okay. I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, oh, my favorite oh my. part of this game is Mike's Mike's uh, Mike's suffering. suffering. True, I know he's so. You, sh you should call so your character irritated. Schadenfreude. <laughs> right now, I have a uh, name of Faustus Stankbridges. I love Another it. Stankbridges. Back in the saddle with the Stankbridges. Nice. He's Algorics is like slightly less cool brother. That's right. Right. Uh, I think my mage, I'm going to take, I was originally going to uh, use this name slightly different, so I'm going to keep part of it. I'm going to, in, in honor of the uh, source game, this mage will be named Osric the Omnipotent. Okay, cool. Um, I, I I love the name. It's fine. Totally fine. Uh, be aware that uh, there is some cultural stuff that may influence your, your name choices and stuff like that, so just be aware. Okay. Yeah, it, it's flexible. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not married to Stank Bridges. My name will be Aurelius. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's actually a very appropriate name. Um, I so, Latin, all right, okay. High school is uh, nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, yeah, I have no idea what my cleric is named. The naming of clerics is a, a delicate matter. Riapus mm -hmm. Maximus, I think, for you. <clears throat> all right, so let's look at um, uh, your ability scores here. What we got to fill in there. So um, on on page twenty one are all of the bonuses. And penalties, so you're going to want to have to. We're going to want to fill those in on the character sheets there, right? So melee modifiers, open doors to strength, spoken languages and literacy for intelligence. Um, Dex, you don't need to note note the initiative um, because we're not using an individual initiative, but note the AC and the missile adjustment, which should be the same. Um, wisdom is just for uh, saving throws versus magic is the only thing that that bonus applies to. Con, of course, is hit points. And charisma would be your reaction modifier for NPCs, maximum number of retainers, and their loyalty score, which is their morale score, uh, which they will roll if you don't treat them nice. All right, does everyone have that uh, down? No, but I'll get uh, there. Work, more work. Working on it, working on it. Working and working and working. Sorry, what page? Uh, now I don't know. Uh, 20, oh, sorry. 21. I'm 21 for a bonus. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. Um, uh, and we start with the average of our hit dice and health, correct? Uh, yeah, no, we're going to get to that. We're going to, that just a second, we're just going to go down the line here. Oh, for I'm the, sorry. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. So, um, uh, you're going to note your attack values, although we're not using uh, Thaco, so I will. that's another house rule that we're going to be using. We're going to be doing a Ascending AC, which um, for those out there who are veterans, you, that's what we were using um, for Dolman Wood as well. So uh, AC will increase, so you don't actually have a Thaco, you will just have a, uh, a bonus to hit, basically, um, which will change as you uh, progress in levels, depending on the class that you take. Uh, Mike, with his dwarf, will be... Um, 
going up the fastest. Uh, okay, so I will for oh for Paco for for yeah for hit. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yep. So, um, sorry, I'm just I'm switching back and forth between the character sheet and everything. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you want to record that attack bonus, which is dependent upon your class, but everyone is basically a zero at the beginning. So you have a plus zero to hit, unless you have a strength uh, modifier. Then you're going to note your saving throws and your class abilities. So you need to go to your class in the book um, and basically copy down in order your saving throws. And for those who may be unfamiliar with the game, you're basically trying to attempt to hit that target number that is listed under the class um, or higher on a d20 roll in order to succeed at the saving throw. So Which it's is where dwarves are really awesome. Yes, that is where dwarves pay off. They have mo most demi humans actually, but dwarves especially have like sick yeah. saving throws. Let's Pretty actually cool. sh let's show that to the folks at home, shall we? I think you should. The dwarf chart. Podcasters are just going to have to look it up themselves. Yeah. Uh, you guys write this stuff down as um as I'm kind of talking here, just to fill time here. But a dwarf's saving throws going down the line are 8, 9, 10, 13, and 12. So the lower the number, the better, because it's the target number you're trying to hit with a d20 or higher. So take the first one, which is the most deadly, which is um, the saving throw versus poison uh, or death. They need an 8 or higher on a d20 in order to succeed. Versus, let's look at a fighter. Yeah, A fighter has a 12. Right, so four yeah. points lower than the equivalent combat worthiness class, right? So it's pretty sick. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty. Because awesome. I know we're going to hit level, you know, fourteen here, John. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I think a dwarf has what a two for a death save uh, at that level. Yeah, yeah, and he gets he's, he gets a two at tenth level, and he stays at two. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. But you pay for it in XP, right? Like, I mean, that's that's the payoff. Yeah. But you you need well to, to get to second level you need twenty two hundred versus a fighter's two thousand so it's not not too bad not as onerous as a as a mage for instance let's take yeah. a look at the mage shall we mm. don't don't talk about it I don't want to think twenty eight hundred yeah decent decent normal saves though 12, 13, 12, yeah, 15, 14. so not too bad and I can build a stronghold when I reach eleventh level it's true because uh, strong that's definitely what we're doing here. Uh, you never know. Uh, I don't know what direction the campaign will take, uh, but those rules are in effect. Stronghold building, if you've got the money, um, that is. Uh, we were discussing this online. Um, uh, what what the secret strengths of fighters are, even though they're so sort of bare minimum written out in the book. Um, one of the secret strengths, which often goes overlooked, is that fighters are the only class I believe that it can actually start building a stronghold right away. Everyone else has as a barrier, as a gated um, entry to even beginning to even think about doing that. Uh, first with level, um, but of course the obvious obvious in world barrier is the amount of money you have, which you're, you might be able to technically be able to make one at, at first level, but you ain't got the funds. Particularly since you're making us train, right, John? Yep, sure I am. <laughs> How do I train to be a dwarf? Yeah. Just <laughs> 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 Well, you're right. I guess Mike doesn't have to train. <laughs> oh, what the. <laughs> We'll make an I'm exception. I'm dwarf now. Oh we'll, wait, we'll, I did Scottish. We'll make an Sorry. exception for Mike since Mike isn't happy. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not happy now. <laughs> All right, does everyone have their um, saving throws down and has marked in some way, shape, or form your abilities? 
Wait, yes. are we doing InfraVision or are we not doing InfraVision? I just want to know if I should write it down. You were doing InfraVision, yes. 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 Mike complained longest and loudest about that in off session, so I caved to that as well. <laughs> that's a lie. That's not a true. Oh, that's not a lie. That's totally true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, folks out there, there are, there are some battles I, you know, you have to pick your, pick them out. <laughs> that is one I wasn't willing to go down on. All right. So, um, then we're going to roll for hit points. So the way I'm going to do hit points here is basically the same way they did in Dolman Wood. So you're going to, um, for starting characters, you're going to roll, but the minimum that you can, um, that you can have is actually the average rounded up on your die. So, uh, and then from that point onwards, though, whenever you roll for hit points at a higher levels, you have to take what is rolled, including ones. Okay. So you get a little bit of a leeway when you start off. Um, but then, then it's just the fates from that point onwards. So, um, hold on one second before we, before you roll so that I can switch over to the dice thingy. Okay. So, uh, do you want to go reverse around the horn this time? Start with Ted. Sure. All right, Ted. So why don't you, what, uh, what do we got? A mage is a D6, is that right? Mage is a 1D6, I think. Okay, cool. So, Ted. I, I'm rolling. Do you have a con bonus? I do not. What I guess? A four? Yes. Looks like I have a four. Yep, I'll got, take a four. Yep, that would be your minimum anyways. Okay, so you got four hit points. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Blah. Okay. Four hit points. Okay, cool. Matt? All right, uh, my con. To goblins. Oh. My con is an eight, which I think is a negative one modifier. Sounds right. Uh, that sounds unfortunate, but uh, yeah. Uh, cleric is a D six. D six. So you got a three. So your minimum would be um, a four. So you have four. Is that a four modified by con or no? No, the minimum is the minimum. <clears throat> okay, so nice. you, have a, you have a four, 40 points. Four beefy, solid clerical hit points. I okay. David, you have a D4. With the... I have a D4, a whopping D4. Mm -hmm. and I have a con... Welcome to Wizard World, baby. Yeah, man. And I have a con of 12, so I don't get a bonus. Okay. That is a that is one. A one. On that one. So you have you have three hit points. I have three hit points. Or I can just take the one if you want me to. <laughs> Eat for a house yeah. cat. I will not if if you want to take the lower, you no, can. I'm not, I'm not gonna take okay, the all right. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at Mike's eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, he, All right, uh Mike, your last dwarf. What has he got a DA to assume, right? Yeah. <laughs> What do we also got? a one. Also did I roll a one? one? Yep, sure did. A one. All right, so you, do you have a do you do you have a con bonus? I do not have a con bonus, but I do not have a con penalty either. So right. my five. You have five hit points. Yeah. Okay. All right, you're in the lead with five. So we have five, three, four, and four juicy first level characters. That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's astonishing. Oh. <laughs> okay, so find a lot of gold real fast. All right, so you're going to um, choose your alignment. So the basic alignments of lawful, neutral, or chaotic. Lawful. Yeah, I don't I don't go to extremes on either side, so I'm going for neutral. Okay. No wonder they threw you out of Dwarf Clan. That's right. Matt, David? Mm. Mm. I would 
generally default to neutral, but let me reread how OSC treats chaotic. It's generally like you're a bad guy, like you're an evil dude. He's a bad guy. Yeah. It's not. It's not just uh, a cab. It's truly a bad person. Well, it, it's up to you. You know what I mean. But you know, you, you, if you align with the forces of chaos, you're basically like. It, it tends to be. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm neutral then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go law. Why not? Okay. Lawful. Cool. All right. Um, then you're going to do your known languages. So um, here's the way I'm going to do it. You know, you know. It depends on what you're playing, but everyone knows Arkantian. Okay. So that's A R C H O N T E A N. Okay. Um, that is the okay. common of the realm. Uh, it, the, it is the, the empire of Arkantos, the Arkantian empire. So therefore the language, uh, the, ling the lingua franca is uh, Arkantian. And it is basically, um, it is Latin pretty much. Although they have since taken on many, many Greek, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? Elisions? Is that the word for it? I'm not really sure. But um, the, the language has been shaped considerably with Greek, with Greek uh, stuff in it. The Greek. Okay. In addition, if if you have a cultural language, you would also know that language. So here's where you have to decide a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, for those of you who are playing humans which is everyone but Mike, okay? Um, you, the, the, dominant, the dominant culture, um, the dominant species would be the, Ar would be the Arkantians, right? All right, they can, you can flavor them ethnically as either Greek or, um, or Italian, like Roman, right? Uh, but they're generally like Mediterranean sorts of people, right? Now, the native peoples of Burdock's Valley, which is where you're starting, which remember is in an, in an exarchate, a recently reclaimed exarchate of the empire, um, is th those people are called Thorkins, okay? T-H-O-R-C-I-N, uh, Thorkin. And they are uh, very much like an Anglo-Saxon um, analog. So this is what you are. C-I-N, C-I-N, T-H-O-R-C-I-N, Thorkin. Thank you. Um, and, uh, so they are very much Anglo-Saxon. So if you wanted to be from the area, you would probably have, um, you know, an Anglo-Saxon coloring and, uh, that, that culture, um, uh, as well. Okay. And the naming as well. So if, if, so if you choose to be Thorkin, you would also know the Thorkin language in addition to our Kantian. The other one that you, the other ones that you could be is actually, um, uh, where is it here? Uh, Wiskin. So there are, the Wiskin, which is W-I-S-K-I-N, it's very much like a Scandinavian Viking culture sort of thing, right? Um, they they actually inhabit like an island chain um, to the north of the main island of the empire. So uh, you could be one of them as well, Scandinavian, with all the, um, you know, the, the naming and culture that you would expect from that. So there's Anglo-Saxon, Scandinavian, Roman Greek, slash Roman Greek. And then there's the other language that you could know is actually one called uh, Kumus, which is K-H-U-M-U-S. And that is very much like a Central Asian slash Mongolian culture that um, re, uh, their culture is out in the plains uh, far to the west, like beyond the empire's reach. But there are trade routes, so um, those peoples are seen in low numbers um, in this area. So... Um, uh, you know, rare, but they they are around. So uh, that would be you know that that kind of naming conventions. Yes, Ted. So um, I am blessed with getting an extra language. 
yes. fortunate for a page. Is mm -hmm. there an ancient Arkantian or, or another ancient language like we are likely to find inscribed all over the inside of a dungeon? Yes. For example. There is. I might... There is indeed. Okay. Actually, so I should actually clarify. Arkantian is much more like Byzantine Greek. Okay. The, right. the more ancient language, the language of um, uh, ancient Arkantos and of magic, right? Um, that, that sort of stuff is called Mithric. So M-I-T-H-R-I-C, right? It is a, it is a dead, it is a dead language. It is no longer spoken. Um, but it is also, um, the language of like the incantations of the church of the, of the 10. So, so Matt, your cleric, um, doesn't necessarily have to know it fluently, you know, like, like many modern day priests, like they don't know Latin, but they can recite Latin, you know, that sort of thing. That would be the equivalent. Like you don't, you don't necessarily, just because you don't know Mithra doesn't mean you can't like read cleric scrolls or something like that, you know, but, um, if you, it would be natural for you to know Mithra if you wanted to. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's ancient Mithric, there's Thorkin, Wiscan, Kumus, and then, um, Arkantian everyone gets. And then you could also choose, but if you have the intelligence in order to get bonus languages, you could also choose elf, dwarf, goblin, or halfling, which also have their own tongues. Okay. So I need to step away for just a minute. Go tuck in a kid. I'll no, be right back. No problem. Uh, Mike, you have, um, you obviously gain Gar Arkantian and dwarf, uh, straight up. And if your intelligence is high enough, you could learn something else. No. Okay. All right. So, um, the class seems to indicate that I, I know a bunch of languages, but is that just based on like languages that are available if you have a high enough intelligence? Says I might know like Goblin and Orcish and all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually something that you automatically get, or if that's like the selection that you can choose from, which would be superseded by my class rules. Um. But uh, you definitely, I mean, even if it was so, you, you don't know all those languages. So if you don't have a high enough intelligence, you know Arkantian and Dwarf. That's what you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you know Dwarf. Um, David, what do you know? I know uh, Arkantian and Vulture language. I don't believe I get any bonus languages. I have an intelligence. And, okay. Uh, but do, are you going to be from um, the Empire? I'm... No, I'm debating whether I'm going to be Scandinavian or Anglo-Saxon. Uh, let me think. Before you uh, choose, David, if it matters, I'm mm. definitely making Osric his name because that's a very Anglo-Saxon name. I'm totally, I want to be from around here. Thorkin, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me also as a thief that I would be Anglo-Saxon. I can't help but... Uh, Fine, being a Scandi thief, a little little sexy too. But there's also the 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 the, the Arcantian angle too would be kind of interesting too because it, this is a play you know it's far enough away from the center of the empire too that uh, a lot of like the dregs of um, the empire society would would wash up here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 sort of exported yeah. from from the the center of empire to yeah. here. Yeah, like don't don't don't. I don't want anyone to associate like Arkantian with necessarily like authority, right? You know, like sure. they're, they're, you know, it, it, there's all sorts of strata of society within the empire, and you know, including like the lowest of the low, you know, and they're 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 full blooded Arkantians, you know. No, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Just just throwing um, that out there in case that's what your where your mind was at. Yeah, yeah. Is there, if I'd like to take a second to think about it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, um, so Matt, I believe was maybe thinking about Mithric. We'll see what he. 
what he decides when he comes back. Okay, moving on. Uh, what do we got? Languages. Okay, so um, equipment. So uh, here's the deal with equipment because that takes a long time and it takes a you know a, you know no one likes to watch just people sort of shop sort of stuff. But I don't. You're, you guys are making legit characters and we're not doing this just for the audience, right? So I want you to get what you want to get. But guess what was in Carcass Crawler? Um, let's see, where was it? Uh, da, da. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's important. Um, Number three. Oh, come on, John. Where was this? I wrote it in my thing. Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Um, quick equipment, number two. Yes, you, you can do quick equipment. So there was quick quick equipment generation in the Dolmenwood material. Um, Gavin actually took that from the Dolmenwood material and applied it to a general, to generally advanced fantasy. Um, so you guys can actually choose. Um, so you can either do the 3D6 times 10 GP and shop specifically, or... You can do very much what like the Dolmenwood one was, where um, you only get 3d6 GP, period, plus uh, a certain amount of default adventuring gear, and then everything else is randomly generated. Um, but uh, some of those, some of the random generation is a little bit more specific depending on the class that you took. So if you'd like to do that, please let me know. I like to and, do that. It sounds like fun. It's kind of fun because it, it like mixes it up a bit. Cool. So let me just bring it up here real quick. Hold on. What page is it on again? Because I may, I may do selective gear just because I'm a thief, but I'll look and see if they have a thief loadout. I just have to find it. Give me a second. It's in Carcass Crawler page, issue number two. Page 16. Do page I have my issue two? Uh, but if you don't have it, um, I can give you the rundown real quick. So, um, uh, Page for, is more on that chart, by the way, John. So I don't know if you've got one from Dolmenwood we could use. but I, I, I have uh, the adjustments. Okay. Um. Yes, I have the adjustments. Okay, so uh, basically, what 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 happens here is that you so one choice is the rules are written three six times ten GP. You could shop to your uh, to your heart's desire. Otherwise, you can do the quick quick equipment generation. You start with basic equipment. So everyone would start with a backpack, a tinder box, one d six torches, a water skin, one d six iron rations, and three d six GP. Period. Not times ten. Um, so do realize that you would have a, a smattering of coin to buy whatever you want, even after you do the quick start generation. Then there's class specific equipment. Uh, so depending on your class, you may or may not be able to roll on the armor chart. If you're a thief, David, you would start with leather period. There is no rolling. You would just start with yeah. leather. Um, uh, a mage would start with nothing. Um, a cleric would actually roll and a dwarf would actually roll as well. Um, weapons. Uh, depending on your class, um, you would roll usually twice on a weapon chart. Um, you get both or you pick one? You get both. Oh. Uh, I have modified those slightly as well to accommodate some of the extra weapons that I put onto the chart. Um, so like a cleric, for instance, there is actual chance that you may be able to start with a flail, which is not something that is in the normal equipment list. Um, uh, a mage would roll as a magic user, but I've uh, I've also included the chance for you to gain a... Uh, do you automatically start with a staff as a mage? So on the weapons chart, mages... Uh, sorry, magic user just gets a dagger. No, no, no. I mean, in the mage class description, do you start with a staff? 
Like, because it's all oh, magical and oh. shit. Give me just a second. Uh, doesn't say that you actually start with one. You just, in the hands right. of a mage, a okay. normal staff arms creatures that are immune to mundane attacks. Right, that's what I thought. Okay, so I have actually, for both magic users, illusionists, and mages, um, I have altered the chart so that there's a chance that you're either with a dagger or okay. a staff. Um, um, and then um, clear, uh, yeah, so that's basically the deal. Um, and then I've also altered the armor charts to accommodate um, my heavily modified armor list as well, which will be available to everyone down in the description. Um, so uh, just to note that uh, plate mail, medieval plate mail as we know it, um, does not exist. All right, it has been uh, replaced by not replaced, but there's um, there's just different armors. So there's uh, two different kinds of like what we would consider like Roman legionnaire armor, the Lorica Hamada and the Lorica Segmentata. So that's like basically like Roman chainmail and Roman um, banded mail. Um, and there's also like Byzantine lamellar, which is probably the best that you can get. Um, that's, you know, uh, layered, layered coats of plates. Um, uh, and uh, we, we, we would call it Archontian lamellar, obviously. Um, and I've adjusted the prices and all that sort of stuff. So just be aware that I've altered the armor chart as well to reflect that. So raise your hand if you want to do quick equipment generation. Cool. Matt and Mike, Ted, David, what do you think? I'm not going to do it this time, unfortunately. Okay, that's fine. So David, why don't we just uh, real quick, just roll your, um, your starting GP. So 3D10. So just roll, just, just roll 3D6 and we'll multiply times 10. 36 times 10, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here comes 3d6. Come on, got six. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, you got you got 60 GP. So David, you go to town to start uh, start start buying stuff. Don't forget that um, you need to open up my armor armor and weapons list so that you might be able to access some of those newer items that will not be on there. Don't forget as well that the we're using the expanded equipment list. Um, so, uh, you probably want to open that up, which is, um, where is that? That is in expanded equipment list is in Car carcass crawl issue number three. Um, I have, no, not three. I have Sorry. carcass issue one and carcass exclusive inaugural issue. I think it might be in one actually. I don't have two or three. I don't believe seems to have as well. Let me see where it is here. Nope, not in that. Um, it's in. Um, it's, I thought it was in three. One. It's in. It's, whoa, wait, wait, no, it is. It is in three, inaugural three, issue. In three. Is that three? It's just I just have it called. Page twenty, different. and twenty-two for weapons. Oh, issue three. Okay, so I don't have. I don't have that. Would you mind uh, shooting that to me? Uh, hold on. Well, it, might, it might actually be in the uh, inaugural one too. Because he reprinted. There is there is one on page twenty six. That that's the same one. Okay. Okay. Then, so then use I that. Do have it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. So it gets to shopping, and don't forget to check out my weapons list as well. Okay. Now, uh, so for you guys, uh, who wants to go first with the generation? Mike. Okay. Cool. Your dwarf. All right. So you're going to roll one d six on the armor chip. Whoa! I'm getting a heavy noise. No, we're good. Okay. Uh, motorcycle just drove by. Okay. One d six. Four. 
Four. All right, you're going to start with studded leather. Oh, Jesus Christ. What's the matter with that? I want... Come on. Studded leather, man. Studs right there in the name. Come on. Yeah, dude. It's, it's your we're going we're gonna to name your dwarf's uh, 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 Groucho Sunshine, I think. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Little right. studs it. What's next? More misery for Mike. <laughs> it's such a baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, your weapons, you're going to roll a D12 twice. Okay. Paper paper cutter. What Three. Three. Orange and a sock. You got a hand axe. Nice. And axe. Seven. Seven. And a short sword. Hand axe and a short sword. There you go. What more does a guy need? Exactly. I need work. Actually, it doesn't matter, right? With your... With your you get I could, I'd really be using a rock in a, in a, in a sock. And it'd be fine. <laughs> All right, so that's your armor and weapons. You don't get any extra items, but uh, remember, um, everyone should write this down. You get a, a backpack, a tinderbox, a water skin, and then you need to roll for um, uh, torches, iron rations, and GP. So uh, I'll leave that off screen, but Mike, in the um, dice rolling thing, you can roll a d6 for torches, a d6 for iron rations, and 3d6 for your GP and, and write those down, okay? But you don't, you, don't need, you don't need to relate them, just, you know, write them down. Okay, uh, Ted, you, or who wants to go next, Ted or Matt? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go next. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool, Ted, uh, you're a mage. You're a mage, Jerry. That's oh. right. Oh, and a blooming right. good one, or thump, thumping good one, something. So you are you don't start with any armor. So you're going to roll on um, on uh, you're going to roll a d4 for your weapons. Once or twice. Once. False. What'd you get? Four. Four. You start with a staff. All right. That's it for okay. you. And you get and you have all your your. I bought that man. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> So I start with roll for gold again, John. But now you don't have to buy it, Ted. Roll three d six for gold, right? Three d six for gold, and then you get all that other equipment. Um, and don't forget uh, d six for torches and a d six for iron rations as well. Uh, oh, oh, actually, you guys have more rolls to do. I'm so sorry about that. Um, I thought so. Yeah. So, Mike, going back to you, um, you're going to roll on the. You're going to get a little bit of a, a couple more adventuring your items. So, roll a d twelve twice. What's this for? Adventuring gear. Nine. Okay, you have a large sack. And one. A crowbar. Nice. And then, Ted, you can do the same. Uh, This is a D12? Yep, twice. All right. First D12 is a nine. Large sack. All right, large sack. And the second D12 is a four. Four. You have a lantern and three flasks of oil. Ooh. Very nice, very nice. Sweet. Okay. That's it for you guys. Okay, now, Matt, you yes. are a cleric. Uh, I need you to roll uh, on the armor chart. So you're going to roll a D6, please. 
amazed at my glorious uh, one. You want a one? Uh, you want a one? A one. Okay, you have a leather armor. Uh, I'm complaining, Matt. Jeez. <laughs> and then hey, you're I'm going to rock this leather armor, man. Then you're going to roll. Uh, you're going to roll twice. You're going to roll d6 twice for weapons. Now, hear me out, gang. Uh, with all the leather we're wearing, I think the party name should be the Leather Daddies. What do you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm rolling. I'm rolling two d6 all at once. Fancy pants. A six and a one. Six and a one. All right, you have. Oh wow, you're loaded for bear. You got a mace and a flail. Don't stand too close to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you're a badass. Uh, nice, nice. You don't know how to use either one of them, but you have them. Hey. What do you mean he doesn't know how to use them? I can, I'm really good with that. That'd you, be funny. You automatically have a holy symbol, so you get that. And then you're going to roll uh, D12 twice for extra adventuring gear. That is a four and a one. Four and a one. You have a crowbar, a lantern, and three flasks of oil. And then you also can write down the the basics, backpack, tinderbox, water skin, and then roll on the thing for D6 torches, D6 iron rations, and then 3D6 additional GP. And don't forget, like, off stream that you guys can spend that additional, that smattering of gold on anything else that you wish from the expanded equipment list. Cool? Cool. I bought some gold from somebody to buy a shield. <laughs> it's already reaching out. <laughs> All right, so uh, just as a quick interjection, I've decided to be Thorson or Thorkin rather. Thorkin, okay. I think I think it feels good to be a uh, thief from town. A little more familiarity with the uh, culture. Sure. Uh, no problem. Matt, do you know where you're from? Uh, you know, I, I was. I might need to read a little bit more about it. I was I was thinking about Thorkin too because it seems like like uh, like a local uh, a local guy accustomed to the kind of local uh, religions. But then he wouldn't he wouldn't know like the ancient uh, the ancient languages. Like you could have a reason to. It's up to you. Um, be aware that the, both the Thorkins and the Wiscans have their own pantheons. Um, and it's very much in the mold of like um, the German tribes during the Roman era where sure. the Archontians are very, they don't mind that you worship your own gods. In fact, that they find reasons in order to kind of incorporate their portfolio into their own. Um, mm. uh, also realize, that, I mean, and you, don't, and you can also be a Thorkin who has been um, assimilated by the Archontians and like fully believes in their pantheon as well. Uh, um, so yeah, it's up to, it's up to you. Um, I'll give you information more on the pantheons later, but um, there, uh, the the current Arcantian pantheon is heavily modeled on um, Greek pantheistic stuff, um, but it has evolved, not evolved, but it's sort of changed wholesale from what they used to wor uh, worship, which was heavily Egyptian, actually, in its makeup. Um, so the, 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 at the height of the empire, they were they worship, they worship like the, the pantheon of Egyptian gods, and now they worship like a roaming greek uh sort of model that's very cool yeah um i i'm sorry to pivot last minute right after uh matt's explanation it occurred to me that i might actually rather be a thief that isn't from the local culture and be one that's opportunistic 
Like, I, I don't know, not to overthink it, in other words, but I don't know if I would be uh, dying to steal from my culture that was already being, like, <laughs> looted, <laughs> looted out by everyone else. Sure. So, I think I'm going to be a Wiscan instead, uh, uh, and just see it as a, a really opportunistic thing. Like, these two these two cultures are really sort of button heads. Okay. Sort of in there. So, uh, sorry for the confusion. No problem. I did that. That's cool. All right. Uh, and once again, you guys don't have to make these decisions right now, so just you can mull it over. Um, in the week between or whatever, no big deal. Sure. Um, my, my name, my name is going to be Varger, uh, Mudclump, of course. <laughs> Mudclump returns. <laughs> Varger, V A R G R. V A R G R. Yeah. Varger. Cool. Osric, what was your dwarf's name, Mike? Did you settle on a name? Faustus Bankbridges. Faustus Bankbridges. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Matt, did you happen to come up with one yet? No, no. Uh, I'm still. Th I, I yeah. got to think about. It. I got to. No. I got to feel this guy. No I gotta problem. Know this guy. All right. Have you? If, if you haven't finished your equipment buying, have you at least made the notes that you need to note about what you, what you need to roll or, um, how much money you have left? Right. Is that... I have eight gold. I really want someone to lend me two gold so I can buy a shield. Oh, that's tough. I could. Is... I could. I could loan you two gold with a. 30% interest rate. <laughs> you're, a, you're a thief. Just steal his own money and loan it back to him. <laughs> All right. So. Interest rate on two gold. That's like three silver, right? Six. Six silver. Per day. Per day? <laughs> All right. So, assuming that no one's going to give him the money for the shield, uh, we break down like I, this. So the leather armor wearers have a 12 AC plus your dex modifier. Okay. And then we are using, uh, also for those out there as well, we are using the item-based uh, encumbrance system, which is also something that Gavin created. Uh, it was put out in Carcass Crawler. Um, so that uses an item slot-based system. We really enjoyed it when we adopted it in Dolmenwood. So we'll be using that again. So leather only takes up one item slot. Um, and it gives you a, uh, well, it should probably end up with the, with the movement rate of 90-30, but we'll have to see what your other stuff weighs. But um Anyway, so yeah, twelve AC for leather, um, the, and then is that that's that's David and Matt, right? And then Mike, um, your stud leather gives you a thirteen, um, which is also only one slot, which is nice. And I will buy you a shield, Mike. <clears throat> you just have to give me two gold. Yeah, I'll give you two gold. Okay. Nice. So the shield that increases his AC to two more, so now he has a fifteen AC, and the way that we oh, do shields here is. Is probably the most celebrated house rule of all times for old school play, which is uh, shields shall be splintered, which basically means that in addition to the plus two AC that it gives you, which is different than the rules as written, um, I, I up that protection. Uh, also, it also negates any um, critical hit against you. Uh, so, uh, but before damage is rolled. So if I tell you, like if I roll a, a natural 20, um, uh, Mike would be able to say, nope, my, I'm going to splinter my shield. The shield is then rendered useless, but it negates that automatic hit. But he doesn't know how much damage it would have done. Um, so that's the way that shields work. Yes. Are helmets included in armor? Nope. you got to buy them separately. How much are they? Five. What is the disadvantage of using furs over the leather? Just the encumbrance within your, your rules? Uh, the disadvantage is the, yeah, well, n even with encumbrance, there's not much of a difference. It's okay, so the, there's no stealth penalty or anything like that? Nope. Nope. It's more of like a, a flavor thing, right? If you're wearing furs, it's, you know, you, you're kind of pegging yourself as uncivilized or poor. 
something like that. Yeah. Listen, I'm Scandinavian. Come on, this is. Yeah. I will not tolerate <laughs> this prejudice. Not, not, not even. I shouldn't even say poor. It's more like because um, you know, there's plenty of like nobility that where if you're draped in furs, you're considered to be quite wealthy, right? But, um, so it's more of like just a look thing. Just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. All right, so you got your armor class down? Yes. Okay, if you are unarmored, uh, Ted, that means that your um, AC is 10, right? But I get a plus two to my armor class for being a mage. Oh, sweet. You have a dex bonus? I do not. Is anyone rocking in a dex bonus? Me. Does, does a negative wow. count? <laughs> a negative <laughs> bonus. Nice. A negative bonus. So the dwarf has the highest dex. Amazing. Very <laughs> small, you know, very, very uh, kind of shifty. Okay, you so made us roll these dice, John. We could have just made up numbers. That's true. That's true. I had myself to blame. Okay, no level XP. So you're going to start at level one, and then you're going to write, want to write down um, what your XP needed for next level is. If you haven't already done that, it should be on the back of the sheet. And there it is. Uh, lastly. Uh, I want to give you guys the option to roll secondary skills if you want. Okay, so the way that I would basically rule this is we came across this a number of times in Dolmenwood where it's like, you know, I'm a wizard, so wouldn't I know something about this, right? Well, this was where secondary skills would kind of come into play, like what you did before you were an adventurer. Um, and it would basically, you could tag this being like, you know, I was a hunter back in the day, so I would probably be able to discern what these tracks were or something like, you know, some, something like that, right? And that, then if I if it was feasible, I would just say, yeah, or at minimum, I would probably give you an ND6 chance roll to, to know something based upon your secondary skills. So um, just very much like a uh, at the moment ruling sort of thing. Um, if, if you want, you don't have to pick one if you don't want to. Would you like to? Yeah. Yeah, you said we can we can roll for those. those it's are... a roll, yeah. So you you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, anyone who wants to go first, you get to roll a d one hundred. I'll do it. Oh, oh. Go ahead, Ted. You go. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Ninja. You are a farmer. That's what you are. <laughs> Armored head, or you, or you were. <laughs> oh. Plow in the field. You know, I think I'm going to take up maging. <laughs> yeah, armored head. Never heard that one before, Mike. <laughs> Wasn't me, man. It was me. Okay. <laughs> Who's next? I'll do it. All right, man. One hundred. Here we go, baby. Go, ninja. Forty-three. Forty-three. Um, Farmer. <laughs> farming in burdock's valley sucks by the way guys are we are we seeing a brother thing here one went to the cloth one went to the dark arts all right uh who's next david go ahead it's something else man save us save us poor farmers he's a I'm fisherman gonna a, i'm gonna be a beekeeper or something um okay so i'm rolling one d hundred right mm-hmm See what it is. 94. Ooh, that's 94. Gotta be good. Woodcutter. Yeah. Woodcutter. Woodcutter. Yeah. 94 so I, Woodcutter. I thought it would I, be like. I find, I find my marks as I, I build their homes and I create little <laughs> latches to sneak in at night. <laughs> it's not fucking. It's not scaled on this chart, people. <laughs> 99 to 100 is actually really good because you get to roll for two skills if you, if you hit Ooh. that. Well, that's it. Everything else is just sort of equal. All right, Mike. All right. So before I was a dwarf, I was a. Smaller dwarf. 
33. Is you're that a, a farmer? <laughs> no, you're a cooper. Ooh. You made Whoa. barrels. I'm a sense. barrel maker. <laughs> should should, he had stuffed into barrels more than once, I believe. <laughs> you should change it to Faustus Stank Barrel. That's oh, awesome. Oh, that's I'm that. absolutely uh, doing that. That's, that's pretty very good. good. That's very good. Pretty good. All right. Pretty good. <laughs> Okay, uh, so yeah, that is basically it for character creation. So you're gonna just want to note down your name once you got it. Um, so yeah, Matt, we need a name from you, and we need a like an origin, basically. Uh, doesn't have to be right now, of course. But right now we have uh, Faustus, Varger, and Osric, and an unnamed cleric uh, right now. Um, and your culture will definitely probably well, it's really up to you. Like we talked about, as far as like who you end up worshiping, um, but. Um, I will give you the handout for um, the gods and all that sort of stuff. But uh, uh, unlike Dolmenwood, which was monotheistic and heavily Judeo-Christian based, this is much more uh, typical D&D, right? Like uh, of uh, pantheistic. But the gods themselves, uh, if they're not directly pulls from our own ancient history, are very much like equivalents. Like it's very easy to sort of reference. It's not, not too difficult to under kind of gather like what the what the uh, the dogma is and all that sort of stuff. So uh, bless you, John. Bless you. Yes, thank you. All right, so uh, that will do it for character generation. And then I just want to go over um, briefly with uh, folks out there just uh, some of the other house rules. We won't go every little nitty gritty thing, but if you're following along with, uh, if you're if you're here watching because you want to see old school essentials in play, um, you will you're not going to see like a rules as written version of it. Um, but it it kind of paradoxically actually is because part of the rules of OSE is actually that you're supposed to be to incorporate your own house rules in and make your own judgments and I took that whole hog um, what's really nice about this versions of Dungeons and Dragons is that you it ha, is its modularity you can find interesting rules or make up your own like find them on blogs or different rule books or different editions or uh, create them on your own and basically basically insert them into the system and um, it's very likely that it will not break anything. And that's really, really cool. So you can, um, I have, much like the creator Richard Barton of Arden Bull himself, who was reading a lot of blogs, I have done the same thing and I have uh, incorporated a lot of house rules into um, my version of OSC. A lot of that was on display in the Dolmenwood campaign. Um, in fact, I don't think I've given up a lot of the house rules that we were using back then, but I've tweaked some and added some as well. So I just wanna point some of those things out um, the major ones. So the ones that your people are going to see that these guys are well familiar with, the really big one that affects a lot is that um, we don't do variable weapon damage, which those of you who are familiar with all later editions of a D&D where a longsword does a D8 and a two-handed sword does a D10 and a dagger does a D4, that doesn't happen. Your damage dice, regardless of what weapon you're using, is based upon your class's hit die. So Mike, the dwarf, is playing has a D8 hit die, which means that all weapons that he uses, if, whether it be a lowly dagger, all the way up to a two-handed sword, it doesn't matter what he's using, he does a D8 worth of damage. Versus the, the other end of the scale, David, who's playing a thief, who has a D4 hit die, which means that all of his weapons also do a D4 for damage. So his dagger does a D4, a two-handed sword, which he can wield, even though he's a thief, also does a D4. So it's sort of like it's it favors those who are more martially 
inclined, right? So your dwarf, your fighters, your knights, your rangers, your paladins, those are all doing D8s worth of damage, so they do the most because they're the most skilled with weaponry and know how to use it the best. Um, it's basically, basically the way it works. Uh, now, as you raise higher in level and you get to certain tier points um, where your hit, where your two hit bonus increases, your uh, your damage die will also step up and will increase. So it sort of scales with the level of threats that you're probably going to be facing at certain levels. So that will go up eventually, um, but uh, that is across the board. So that's a, that's a really kind of a big deal. And then there is also a. Uh, a ton of weapon traits to differentiate weapons. So where most differentiation came in other editions from the difference in damage, and so people are always looking for some way to get the most damage possible, that's been negated now. Now you're picking your weapons because of what they can possibly do, right? What interesting things can they do both in combat and out of combat? And so I, uh, I'm i not going to go through all of them, of course. A lot of them are taken directly from um, OSE. A lot of them from I've made up, and a lot of them I've taken from other sources. But there is a laundry list of traits on my armor and weapons list, uh, which I will link in the description below that you can peruse on your own. And I welcome any sort of comments or discussions about them, as I've changed I've changed a few, and um, I've actually changed a few based on some comments in the Dolmenwood uh, videos as well. So take a look at those. Um, uh, a big change, and this will actually affect. I was wondering if someone was going to take Thief, and David did. Um, this is a big one and I'm going to test it out. We're going to see if it works. I've read a lot about it and I think it sounds really cool and I want to give it a try. Um, thieves, because of the fact that they only do a D4, but they're the, also the only ones that can backstab, which means that they're the only ones that can actually do double damage on the regular, right? But a thief backstabbing for D4 times two kind of sucks, right? Um, compared to like what a fighter or a dwarf can some, sometimes output normally. So, but we want that backstab to really feel nasty because of all the setup it requires in order to position yourself um, uh, to get there. So, um, what it's going to do is a backstab does a flat amount of damage, and that number is 12. It does 12 damage plus your strength modifier, which I think you have, David, right? Aren't you kind of strong, dude? I have a 15 strength. That's a plus one? It's a plus, what is a 15? Plus one or maybe plus two even. I got to relook at the chart. Um, 13's so, a plus one, so. So, yeah, I'll it would tell be you in probably, probably plus two. Uh, strength uh, 15 is a plus one, unfortunately. It's the top end. Plus one. one. Still, okay. still awesome. So, David, when every time he backstabs, uh, he never rolls for damage. He does 13 points of damage flat. Okay, and so it's just it's just nice and juicy. Will always mean something, regardless of how high level he is, um, and well, will always roll up. Hmm? Like I mean, he starts out at first level doing that. Yes, because that's a, a one hit kill for pretty much anything that sure is. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> yeah, but but he's got to position Play himself. Mage, they said. Mage. Yeah. But this isn't like a backstab and in, 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 or a sneak attack in 5th edition where it's just a matter of having like your buddy in melee combat or something like that, you know, something yeah. stupid like that. It, this is like you've got to position yourself. They've got to be very much unaware of you being there. Um, it, but if you can manage that or convince me of that, then you're, you're golden. Um, all right, so uh, that's a big deal. Now, magic use, this is a one where a lot of stuff changed because um, uh, Elfric, Elfric got the, the short end of the stick many times as far as magic went. So... Um, Actually, I'm not going to go into too much detail because no one is playing a magic user. But in case uh, another character comes up and has this, we are going to be using the advanced spellbook rules for starting spells. You gain magic, read magic for free. Um, uh, the big one was is that 
that I'm changing is that you can add new spells of your choice to your spell book whenever you are able to um, gain more spell slots. So like when you level, as long as you have a mentor that is willing to train you. So you will get auto spells when you level, which we wasn't getting before. It was completely contingent upon you finding the spells in world. Um, so you will get that as long as you're training. Um, and then if you fail to learn a spell because you rolled poorly, you can choose to learn the spell again when you gain a level or if you find a different instance of the spell in world. So if you find a spell of a scroll of charm person, fail to learn it, but then you find a tome of uh, a, a magic user's tome that also has charm person, I consider that to be a different version of it. So you have another chance to learn it. Okay. But that won't come into play for at least for this set of characters. Just be aware. But that leads me into the fact that we are going to be doing training. This will be where the vast majority of the money that you pull out of the dungeon are going to be put into. So um, uh, you do have to go train. Um, there is a bunch of stuff for that in actually Garden Ardenbool, which is kind of cool. So I want to make use of it. So you must train with a mentor. The cost is 1500 GP per level. And it takes 1d4 weeks. So we roll randomly. So it's also a, um, a time accelerator as well. Um, which is especially important when you don't have a campaign where you're actually traveling long distances. Like when this is in the wilderness campaign where you can mark off like long stretches of time because of that. So that will take care of that as well. Um, and I will be instituting um, carousing and the ability to practice philanthropy. Philanthropy I introduced near the end of our Dolmenwood campaign, but we never actually got to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see, hopefully, that you guys will take advantage of that. I'm also being transparent about uh, where I wasn't before about the carousing mishaps table. I think it's more fun to kind of see what bad or good things may possibly happen, mostly bad, can happen to you. Um, and that's also freely available for you guys as well out there. You can take a look at the link in the description. Um, I have modified the charts from the original inspirations to be 3D6 so that it's a bell curve, so that the more likely... Um, results of a bad night out drinking um, are more you're more likely to hit like the common ones like um, being hung over or getting into a fight or losing money to gambling um, and then the more to the extremes you go like the lower end of the scale the higher end of the scale the more extreme the um, the consequences of carousing like the more uh, deadly slash um, really uh, bad stuff happens on either end. And then you also have the option to actually practice philosophy, uh, philanthropy. Like if you're not the kind of person who would go out drinking, but you actually want to donate money, you can gain XP at a little bit of a lesser rate for a little bit lesser of a risk. Okay. Um, we're going to be doing that and we're going to be doing everyone's favorite death and dismemberment at zero. So you are not dead at zero. You're going to be rolling on, um, goblin punches, fantastic death and dismemberment table. Uh, so we're all sorts of nasty things can happen. Uh, so that's coming back and Fate's worse than death. Yeah. And lastly, the big changes um, are for the uh, skill-based classes, right? So Thief, um, historically, but uh, we'll be seeing this with both Ted and David playing a Thief and a Mage. They have, normally the skills in those classes are D100-based. I have translated them into D6-based. Um, and, um, and they will be... Uh, they top out at five and six. So the highest percentile chance that you could possibly have is around 83%. Um, uh, but uh, you, it gives you the choice. You actually have a number of points that you can spend every level whenever you go up. So to focus on uh, certain areas that you would like to, rather than just taking like a, a an already determined, a predetermined set spread. Um, so if 
David, for instance, wants to be like a master lock picker, he could he could pump up that at uh, at the cost of lowering, uh, keeping other ones low. So, um, yeah, uh, one big change for David. Uh, just be aware that you're going to be using the as written D6 thief, but be aware that my change is that instead of having four points to spend at the beginning, you actually have six, uh, according to, to my my mathematical Love calculations. It. So you're gonna have six. Then Ted, at first level, um, you actually have seven to spread Ooh. at the beginning. Okay. Hold on now. Yeah. So in the case of the thief, if I remember correctly from our discussions earlier, hmm. something like everybody has a chance to um, pick locks, right? Yep. One in six. Yep. The thief starts with that and then adds their starting points to that. So they start at, at least two, two and six. Correct. Maybe the mage does mage has five skills, which are not skills that anybody starts with normally. Mm -hmm. So I start with one and six you on should, each of them. And then sure I do. add, yes, you okay. Yep. I gave Great. what I, I, I deliberately did that because I didn't want it to be something like where because you're built to do those things. And so I wanted you to have like a decent chance at almost all of them. Uh, you know what I mean? From the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, it, it, just so it's like, it's not just, con <laughs> you know, just like constant failure. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. that's the idea there. Um, and okay. once again, for the audience uh, and for you guys as well, um, uh, you, the, the breakdown of um, who gets what um, and at what levels is in the house rule document. And also that uh, that document also links to my actual spreadsheet of my translation, the mathematical conversion. If anyone wants to kind of suss out those numbers, um, I'm pretty confident in them, but I do welcome discussion about them down in the comments. But I think they're actually cool enough that um, um, I would love to see other people use them in their OSC games who are playing these classes and uh, let me know how they actually work out in practice. Um, because uh, I think they're pretty cool. So um, that is the deal. And I think that does it basically for um, the house rules and character generation. So, um, and on that note, I think that's probably probably wrapped up. Is there any other questions that you guys have for me? Um, if you want, did you want to know anything about the world that would, uh, I mean, you're going to find out a lot, obviously, as you go, but um, is there anything that you need to know in order to inform your concept or anything like that? Yeah, I would like to know what day we're starting on. What's oh, the weather? Yeah, well, weather, uh, I'm not going to, I can't tell you, but I don't have a chart for that yet, but we can certainly roll the date. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's roll date. Uh, give me one moment here. Just let me pull up my own calendar here. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I like this calendar with the little moon signs on there and everything. Yeah, it's cool. I actually generated that on um, Donjon, D-O-N-J-O-N. Uh, oh, cool. They have a fantasy game calendar. Oh, this is a cool uh, shout out to Richard Barton, who I actually have uh, managed to make contact with. In the book, he gave us the days of the week that are used, but he didn't give the months. And so I put out uh, put out a call, and I said, uh, "Can do you know how the days of the month, uh, the the months of the year?" And he's like, "I absolutely do." So, um, Yay. Uh, anyone else running Arden Vool, consider this to be a, an exclusive supplement to uh, <laughs> to the book. You actually have the official months that uh, that Richard himself used. So thanks to you, Richard. Um, if I can find it, give me a moment. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, so 
actually had this. Okay, so uh, what I wanted to do, so I, I actually, I, thank you, Ted, for bringing it up because I would have forgotten, it would have annoyed me, um, as I actually did think about this. And what I don't want to do is um, have you guys, I, I want to make it random, but I also don't want to start in winter. <laughs> Why ever we, not? We, uh, it's the worst that can happen. I, I want to obviously move through the season, so winter will obviously happen. Um, but we kind of did like the starting in winter and what all that means already, right? right. In, in Dolmenwood, I mean, there's only so much time in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but that doesn't preclude fall, and you very well might be on the end of fall, so you could be moving into winter. So that is a possibility. So what we're going to do is um, whoever's going to roll for the starting month, it's going we're going to roll one d eight plus two and that will be the month of the year that you start so you basically are ranging from march to october right understand see my genius <laughs> three to ten wow wow <laughs> i know i know one d8 plus two is that what you said yes go ahead ted okay ahead, baby roll one d8 plus two four four april okay so oh. april in this world, winter um, is the month of Lucrios, L U C R I O S. Here you can see the Greek influ influence. Lucrios is uh, uh, the name is based upon the uh, one of the Archontean gods known as Lucreon, who is the god of wealth accumulation and merchants. Ooh, I like That's that guy. Very fortuitous. Oh, it's a great time for a thief to starve. Yeah. Uh, so starting in Mar, or sorry, April, Lucreon, Lucrios, sorry. And then for the day of the week, I need you to roll me the classic D30. Matt, why don't you do it? I'll do that. Seven, baby. Seven, okay, the seventh. Looks like it oh, is... Uh, tw 27. Oh, 27, okay. 27. All right, Lucreos 27. Looks like it's going to half, half moon that day. Do we have a year? Yes, you do. The year oh, yeah. is uh, 2993. 2993 yeah. AEP of the Archontean calendar. Um, the our AEP stands for Ab Ennii Pacto, which in Archontean means from the compact of Ennius. And we'll explain that in the opening session of what the mm. compact, why that is the marker of uh, the modern age. Um, cool. But as you can see, it's uh, we're almost three thousand years past that uh, that event. Uh, and just remember, the other the other date range I sort of gave you is that the civil war that caused the empire to retract was twelve hundred years ago. So that is considered to be antiquity. All right. Um, oh, and also uh, speaking of the tech levels, uh, I should say that as far as uh, aside from the Byzantine cultural influence, if you're looking at the European sort of tech level, um, you're looking around 1200, all right, 1100 to 1200 is sort of like what we're looking at as far as like what, what like, um, like uh, native Thorkins and Wiscans would sort of, their, their dress and manners and cultures would kind of reflect, okay, but with a, um, you kind of have to picture like an alternate history where the Byzantine, Byzantine Empire was still dominant over Europe. Um, and sort right. of like extract from that is basically what we're talking about. So like if the Byzantines were actually were influencing the Germanic tribes, what would the Germanic tribes look like in that instance? Um, right. It's sort of what we're... No printing press. No. Uh, yeah. Handwritten manuscripts. Right. right. Um, it probably would have influenced like art in a, in a, in a huge yeah. manner as well. Right. So uh, just kind of keep that stuff in mind. What's really cool though is that you have a medievalist 
who has written this. And it's reflected, yeah. it's reflected in the writing. So it's, it's, it's actually really, it's very, very dense, very, very thought out, but, um, uh, it, none of it is just sort of like pulled from the ether. It's all been, you can tell it's been extrapolated by like, uh, like a professional historian, you know what I mean? Which is really cool. Cause you kind of feel like you're in safe hands when you're relating this stuff. So, um, and I hope it do it justice. So we'll see. All right. We got sight. We got our dwarf. We got yeah, our right, thief, cleric, right. and mage. Nice. Can't wait. All right. Cool. So, uh, thank you guys for everyone for tuning in. Um, I don't know when the next when session one will actually be. We're you know, we're still getting past uh, the the tail ends of summer, but once kids are back in school and everyone's down to their normal routines, it'll probably be become a more regular thing once again. But uh, hopefully soon. And uh, we are super excited to get the halls of Ardenville started. So please, if uh, you're just joining us. Please like and subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Please uh, join us on Twitter and in the comments and all that kind of good stuff and get in touch with us. We love talking about the game um, and D&D in general. So uh, please do so. And until next time, we will see you later. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks, John.